Welcome back, everyone, to Your Life, God's Word, where we take the principles found in Scripture and we apply them to our everyday lives, those areas that are most important, faith, family, and community. Welcome back, everybody. We are here with another episode, and we're continuing with our series on how to not despise prophecy. Uh, For those that have not seen the uh, first couple of episodes on this, just a quick recap. We are pulling specifically from 1 Thessalonians 5, 19-21, says, Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophecy, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. So we don't want to quench the Spirit. We don't want to teach cessationism. We don't want to put a clamp down on the uh, on the current, I'll say, fresh Word of God, the things that God is doing. We don't want people to despise prophecy, right? How are we going to accomplish this? Test everything and what? Hold fast to what is good. We talked in the first session about the oath method. Obey, avoid, and test. You can go and check that out. We talked a little bit about false prophecy in Deuteronomy 13 and 18, identifying false prophecies or false prophets and how they work the different kinds of things that people tap into, things like stressors in people's lives, uh, things like the promise of gain, power, uh, secret knowledge, right? Everybody wants to have one-up on other people, like, I'm in in the real know. Everybody else is just, you know, walking around not knowing the true truth. Uh, We talked about that, and uh, we did mention a very important, very important, sort of memorizable, okay? Sincerity is not a valid measure of truthfulness. Someone that is sincere can still be wrong. They can be sincerely wrong. They can be devoted. They can be passionate and still completely, totally, absolutely, terribly wrong. Then we talked about uh, wolves in sheep's clothing, and we are going to do three more different areas, three more different areas. Hmm. Three additional areas where wolves in sheep's clothing sort of attack. The first we already talked about, they will undermine the chief shepherd, and we went into great detail how that false prophets, false prophecies, uh, these, these tend to come forth out of a heart that is not truly in line and in obedience to Jesus Christ, even though they will pay lip service to Christ, even though they might go to church, even though they might say, oh, this is a Holy Spirit prophecy or whatever. It's not words. It's not even, again, their sincerity. It's, is it actually true? And that's why we need to be testing. And we talked about three different things, abiding, friendship, and love for Jesus Christ. We talked about John 15, John 14, All three of these things, Jesus himself links to what? Obedience. You really obey? Well, I guess I got that reversed. (laughs) You really abide. (laughs) Maybe I should read my notes a little better. Uh, You are really abiding, true abiding in the vine, right? Connected to the vine. That is when we are really obeying. We really are abiding if we really are obeying. Friendship, we really are friends of Jesus if we really are obeying. And lastly, we really do love him if we really are obeying. 
Again, this is just review. Go back, check all of this out. Check, uh, test everything I'm saying. Don't take what I'm saying um, at face value, but go and re-look at the scriptures and, and um, you know, hit me up if you find uh, areas where I'm off or I'm wrong or I need some correction or you'd like to have a discussion. Uh, you can hit us up uh, at podcast at breadbreakers.com. Podcast at breadbreakers.com is the email, uh, the YouTube comments and stuff like that. I, we just We just don't always check. A lot going on, so uh, the best way, again, podcast at breadbreakers.com. Now, undermining the chief shepherd is one of the four things we're going to talk about, and today we're going to go into the other three. The second is they undermine the God-called under-shepherds. They draw disciples to themselves is the third, and then they draw people to sensationalism is the fourth. I do want to have a, just a caveat here. Undermining an under-shepherd is not the same as undermining uh, Jesus Christ. When we read the Word, we see what Jesus wants us to do. We need to obey Him. An under-shepherd does not have the same kind of authority as Jesus. An under-shepherd only has authority as they are in line with Jesus Christ. I will give you an example. A leader of a religious organization, call him a prophet, an apostle, a pastor, whatever, it doesn't matter, whatever you want, a bishop, whatever you want to call a leader or one of the leaders, an elder, whatever you want to call them. If their authority starts to diverge from what Jesus Christ has given, the things he has said in his word, then they are usurping the authority of Christ. They are misusing and abusing their position. And that is not something that we need to bow the knee to, need to obey. Um, this is why it's very important for leaders to be approachable, um, to be testable, uh, to be to be humble so that people can come to them and maybe they are correct. Maybe the leader is correct, but the, a person comes in humility, asks some honest questions. Maybe they're tough questions. Maybe they're trying to be Berean. They, they want to test the scriptures and, and check it out and study. That should be a thing. That should be allowed. A lot of places it's not. A lot of you know, a lot of places, you know, they, they may even say it's okay. And then once you do, there's a target on your back for the rest of your life, you know. Shouldn't, you know, shouldn't be a problem to go and test, to have sincere and honest questions. A, uh, you know, a person that's going to use scriptures like, you know, the famous one in Hebrews, you know, obey them, have um, rule over you and submit yourselves. Um, somebody that's going to use that and then turn around and say things that are completely unscriptural, or this is, you know, this is kind of my opinion, but do it anyway because I'm the shepherd. That stuff is just abuse. That is just pure abuse of authority, abuse of um, of God's call, and that's not what I'm going to be talking about here today. I'm going to be talking about God-called shepherds, leaders, people that are in Christ, following Christ. It doesn't mean they're perfect, but they're in Christ, they are following Jesus, and they're testable, they're, you know, approachable, this kind of thing. Um, we need to realize, though, there are lines of authority, there are leadership giftings, 
And we need to recognize and obey Jesus Christ when he designates someone to be in that gifting. Now, I can say this about any of the gifts. I can say this about anyone that has a gifting in God, that we should submit to their gifting when it's in operation. But I'm talking specifically about leaders here, because generally someone who comes in that's going to be you know, testifying um, falsely about things they're seeing, feeling, whatever, a dream or whatever it might be, they're usually going to undermine God-called leadership, because God-called leadership is a watchman on the wall to watch and warn against what? That very thing. The false prophets, the false prophetesses, right? These, the, the, uh, the dreamer of dreams that, you know, just had a little too many tacos the night before or whatever. So we're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11 to establish something here. 1 Corinthians 11, 3 through 5, specifically says, but I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ. The head of a wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. Now, that goes directly against uh, much of Western culture. How dare you, Paul, you uh, vile, misogynist, uh, male chauvinist, you horrible, evil, um, terrible person. But, uh, I mean, hey, he's Paul. He's writing scripture. This is God's will. You can't get more than a couple of chapters into the, the Bible as a whole uh, and not realize this. I want you to understand the head of every man is Christ. Head of a wife is her husband. The head of Christ is God. We need proper authority. We need proper alignment in our homes. And Jesus needs to be the, the head. Jesus needs to be the primary focus. That needs to flow down. That man, that husband, that father needs to be operating with Jesus as Lord, following Jesus' direction, following his words, obeying him. Things like in Ephesians, how men should love their wives as Christ loved the church, gave himself for it. And then women who are wives should be submitting to their husbands as the authority in that home, does that mean that they never talk about things? No, not if that man is smart. Does that mean they don't ever collaborate on things? No, but what that means is the buck stops there. They, the husband, they are the one that God has called to be the leader. So let's do it God's way instead of another way, because the other way is always destructive. So it goes into verse 4, Every man who prays or prophesies with his head covered dishonors his head. Verse 5, Every wife who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head, since it is the same as if her head were shaven. Now, this lets us know that we, when we are doing things like prayer, prophesying, ministry, we should try to have a proper alignment, a a proper uh, linear authority flowing from Jesus Christ in our homes. But is the home the only place where this is the case? The answer is no. <laughs> but let's go to Scripture. Acts 20, verses 28 through 30. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. All right, let's stop right there. 
leaders who are God called are not they I say they are not. They should not be there just because their dad or their granddad, you know, was was the pioneer of the church and now it's being handed down like a some kind of a kingship succession type of thing. Now, if the son and the grandson and the great-grandson are all called of God, and they're good leaders, and they meet the definitions of elders and this kind of thing, fine, okay, great. But it should not just be because you're a certain bloodline. Um, that's, a, that's not how God established it. But when God makes someone a leader or an overseer, that should be taken seriously. So let's stop. Let's go back. In which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, continuing on in verse 28 to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Now, drawing disciples after someone means drawing them away from the church, from Christ, Right? You're building up your own little fiefdom, your own little kingdom. When people are super big on, well, who's your pastor? Oh, my my pastor is so-and-so. They're Dr. So-and-so. They've written all these books. That's who I sit under. I mean, are you more proud about that or Jesus? <laughs> right? We need to be very careful when we get into these kinds of things, kind of who's who in, in Christendom. Um, but this word overseer, this word overseer, episkopos, in the uh, in the Greek, is a superintendent, right? An, an officer, a bishop, um, can be translated bishop as well. And so they are in charge of the church. They are given charge, oversight of the church. Acts 20.17, now from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. This word, presbyteros. Uh, in the Greek, it means an elder or a, like a member of a council. Um, some people will say, you know, presbyter. That's where that word comes from, presbyteros. So, and I may be pronouncing that wrong. If I am, you can correct me. Um, but it, it, it means someone in charge, okay? So there are elders, overseers. These are legitimate roles God has put into the church to govern. Uh, we're talking church government now. We're not just talking ministry, right? Now you can uh, you know you can disagree <laughs> if you want to. Totally fine. love you. But when you look at the governance of the church, I see apostles, I see elders slash overseers, right bishops, um, I don't see that just because some, something's a fivefold ministry gift, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, that that means that person has to be in church government. I see that in the book of Acts, when they were doing things that had to do with counsel or the governing, the government of the church, it was primarily apostles and elders. Um, but, you know, you can do, do it however you want. First uh, Peter 5, 1 through 5 says this, So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, 
not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Now, the idea of an under-shepherd and Jesus as chief shepherd is absolutely scriptural. It's right here. He is saying, you are shepherds. Uh, he said this in uh, Acts 20, 28, right? Uh, that you have been made overseers over the flock. So, again, this idea of a shepherd that is a leader over a flock of people in a local assembly is completely and totally scriptural. But look at what he says, right? It should not be under compulsion. It should be willingly. And not, it should not be for shameful gain. People that are so, they're so about the money. Um, they're so about <laughs> dominating and being domineering over people. Again, he specifically says, this is not what we should be doing. Now, when it comes to someone who is going to pray, prophesy, have a dream, work in the gifts of the Spirit, they should be under the authority submitted to those that are called to be the shepherds of that flock. Okay? The ravenous wolves are coming in to destroy the flock. And who is it that protects the flock? The shepherd. Ultimately, that's Jesus. Yes, but he does it through leaders that he has called. They are shepherds of the flock. Okay? Now, 1 Thessalonians 5. 12 and 13, we ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. Again, esteem them highly in love, respect them, have a high regard for them. It doesn't mean we should be clamoring to, you know, kiss behind and, you know, try to work our way up the, the, the little hierarchical pyramid and all this stuff. That, mm, I'm getting water all over myself here, that is man-made junk. But there is a balance there where we should be respecting, we should have a special, you know, heart of, of, of reverence and respect for people that are laboring to do that job. Why? They're not just laboring to like serve Jesus the best they can, lead their family. Now they're also trying to lead your family too and help your household and, and govern, uh, maybe it's, I don't know, 10, 20, 50, 100, 1,000 other families. Um, so make that job easier. Make that job easier on them. Uh, ultimately, yeah, the mother and father over a home, that's the way it should be governed. That should be the, 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 the chief authority in the home. But when we come together, we're in that collective local church, local body, just like Jesus expects and desires, just like the Bible teaches. Then when there, there are people there that are Holy Ghost appointed, Jesus appointed, right, elders, overseers, then 
we need to submit to them. And I can promise you that people who come in who operate under a uh, deceptive spirit, under a spirit of false prophecy, they're not going to respect that those leaders. They're just, they're not. They're not. Now, I can tell you this right here from the Bible. We see this, right? The ravenous wolves, all that. And I can tell you from experience as well. Over the years, I've seen multiple instances where people come in, they will they can even be talked to and listen, you know, here's some directional things, here's some things you've been saying that, you know, kind of leading people, you know, confusing folks or whatever, or you were wrong here, you prophesied this and it didn't come to pass, or you were wrong about and then people, oh brother, like, you know, I don't you know that I talk to God. I have tea with Jesus every afternoon, you know, this kind of thing. And and that that right there is always an issue. Someone who is truly prophetic from God will be submitted to the leaders of a local assembly. They will be, because that's how God set it up. So if God set it up that way, and then God is now also using this person, they are going to be submitted to that person. Now, what if that what if that leader, what if that elder, what if somebody, you know, the, over a local assembly is way off kilter, out of the word, you know, hurting the flock, this kind of thing. Well, then there should be scriptural testimony against what they're doing. There should be witnesses. I mean, it can't just be, well, I have a prophetic word. There's no proof of this, but you're a horrible leader. I mean, this this kind of stuff is what gets um, entire congregations sometimes into a frenzy over nothing because we don't know how to test things. We need to test things by the Word of God. We need to use the tools and the principles of the, of the Word of God to be able to keep ourselves safe and keep ourselves from despising prophecy. So next up, right alongside that, uh, generally, generally, they will be sowing seeds of division, confusion, and doubt. Usually this is to draw people unto them. You need another revelation from me. You need me to pray over you again and tell you what to do in this situation. You need me to interpret your dream. You need me to. This is kind of this is kind of what these folks will generally do. Um, Romans 1, 29 through 30, they were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient, disobedient to parents. Lots of terrible things in there, but it lists gossips and slanderers. Slander and gossip is sin. It is wrong. It is not okay to be, even if we try to cover it in, well, hey, I need you to pray about something with me, and then you turn around and start gossiping about people. That It's not okay. It's not okay. Now, I will say this. Going to a leader to express concerns or you know privately talk about something. Hey, I'm seeing this, I'm hearing this, this happened, I'm concerned about so-and-so. But going to a leader, someone in God called leadership, that is not slander, right? Paul wrote to the, the Corinthian church, um, I believe early in Corinthians, when he's talking about how there's some division going on and you say you're you're of Paul and you say you're of this. Somebody informed him of this. That's not gossip. He is the person that is God called to be able to govern and do something about it. It's not gossip when you're bringing it to someone in a heart to 
have reconciliation or a heart to have protection over the body of Christ, and that's what that person is called to do. If you have person A and person B, and neither of them are in a leadership position, neither of them are any kind of like, you know, we're, we really can't do anything about any of this or whatever, and the two of them just start talking about something or talking about somebody, that's where you, that's where it can turn into gossip. Now, if they come together and say, hey, I've been feeling this, you've been feeling this, all right, now we need to take it to a leader. The point is it needs to be now taken to someone that can do something about it. That's not gossiping. That is watching over the body of Christ. We all know what gossip is, okay? Um, generally, uh, gossip can be shut down quickly because every gossiper needs someone to be listening. And so if we just don't give that sympathetic ear, generally there will not be uh, that gossip going on. We already read Acts 20, 28 through 30, where it talks about they're drawing disciples away after them. Generally, they're boosting themselves up, building themselves up. I'm somebody. I've got cha ta 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 I've got the message from the Holy Spirit. And of course, you know, the Holy Spirit never seems to be like, hey, we need to bring a leader in on this. You know, no, it's let's go meet, you know, out in the parking lot, <laughs> away from everybody, because I've got a word for you. We just have to be careful of this stuff. Why? This is what damages people. And it's when people get hurt, when people get damaged, when people have false things spoken to them, this kind of thing. That's what causes people to despise prophecy. And we don't want people to despise prophecy. The Bible literally says don't despise prophecy. So let's protect ourselves so that we don't. So um, again, just because somebody says, oh, you know, let's pray about a situation or, oh, you know, I just wanted to let you know about something. You know, I'm not, I'm not trying to gossip, but well, hold on. Am I a leader that can do anything about this? Well, no, I just wanted to let you know. Uh, nah, 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 nah. Are we going to take this to a leader? Because if you tell me, I'm going to go take it to a leader so that it's not gossip, right? These are the kinds of things we can do to shut down gossipers, okay? Because gossip is evil, it is sinful, and it can tear people apart. Uh, so again, people will undermine the chief shepherd. They will undermine the under shepherds. They will draw disciples after them, puffing themselves up, this kind of thing. And then lastly, and this is very common, um, they will generally appeal to the, the sensual, the sensational. Now, when I say sensual, I mean of the senses, things that appeal to us. Ooh, it's mystical. And um, yeah, we need to be careful of that stuff. Jumping from spiritual high to spiritual high, constantly needing you know, those, those Holy Ghost goosebumps to stand up on our neck. We need to be careful of that stuff. Um, Jude 8 says, Yet in like manner, these people also relying, listen, relying on their dreams, defile the flesh, reject authority, and blaspheme the glorious ones. Yeah, they do. Colossians 2, 18 and 19. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions, puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind, and not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments grows with a growth that is from God, right? So we, Jude 8, talking about people that, ooh, they've you know, got dreams, and then Colossians 2, 
right? They're insisting on these high-minded things, these extra things, going into detail about visions. Ooh, I had a vision. So did so did Nebuchadnezzar. <laughs> I mean, Nebuchadnezzar had a vision. He had the audible voice of God speak to him. He was a pagan, evil, sinner king, okay? Having a vision doesn't mean anything, but you had a vision. It's like, I have a car. What would he do? That doesn't mean anything. Um, so we need to be careful that we don't get this, ooh, somebody had a dream about me, and they're wanting to share it. it ooh, you know, get pulled in and sucked into this stuff. We don't want to do that. We need to test, 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 test. And certainly when it's a, oh, well, you know, leadership's not going to understand. They don't, they've just got different giftings and they're, they're, they don't understand the realms of the supernatural that I, I operate in. Perhaps the most supernatural individual thing that we have is the scriptures. The Bible is God-breed. The Bible calls it self, right? The scriptures, theonoustos. It is the breath of God. God breathed this thing into existence, and we have it here in physical form, okay? Across the centuries, people moved by the Holy Spirit brought this to us, okay? That's more than one person having a, you know, a couple of visions or something. It is miraculous. It is a miracle. It is supernatural. And yet, people look at it like it's some dusty old book. I want to have a dream. I want somebody to share a vision. That's a baby that needs that kind of stuff. Now, again, I'm not saying it's not cool. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. It does happen. It absolutely does. People see things. I believe in open visions. I believe people do all kinds, experience all kinds of things. You can go in the Bible and you can see it. You can see Ezekiel getting swept away, like teleported. Uh, and in the New Testament that happened, right? When Philip baptized the eunuch and then all of a sudden the guy comes up out of the water and Philip's not there anymore. Pretty crazy, right? Pretty awesome. But you don't see Philip now you know, establishing the ministry of teleportation or something. You don't see that happening. You just, You just don't. And that's why we need balance, we need leaders, we need um, to be testing things by the Word of God. So lastly, Matthew 12, 38 and 39 says this, Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered him, saying, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. But he answered them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. Listen, the problem was not the signs. The Bible says these signs will follow them that believe. The Bible over and over and over shows things that Jesus, the apostles, the, the, the Christian believers just all through the book of Acts, not even just the apostles, did and experienced. Paul talks about that guy that was caught up in the third heaven and all this stuff. There, there, there's nothing wrong with experiencing these things. The problem was, they're like, well, we're not going to believe. We need, to, we need to have something sensational. That's the problem. Chasing the sensational. Chasing the signs. No, no, no. The signs are supposed to follow the believers who are following Jesus. 
we are not supposed to be following after science, chasing after science, chasing after the supernatural, all of this stuff. You got to be careful of people that preach that stuff, teach that stuff, chasing, chasing, chasing experiences. We don't want to get caught up in that because that is dangerous. That is very dangerous. It's an evil and adulter adulterous generation that seeks for a sign. And uh, what? What was the sign given? Right? Um, he said the sign of the prophet Jonah. That's it. Then he goes on to explain, right? But what does he want? What What was Jonah? What did, What was Jonah's message? Jonah's message was repent <laughs> and obey. Uh, well, it was actually just straight up judgment of God, and then God recognized their repentance and um, had mercy. But this is the thing that we need to realize: is we need to we need to rely on what Jesus has told us to rely on, and Jesus never said rely on somebody's ability to dream a dream, have a vision, or do a, do a sign or a wonder. He never said that. He never said that. We are to obey Him, obey His Word, and in His Word lies all of the protection that we need against the false, the fake. Um, and... Yeah, Romans 16. <laughs> That's where we're going to go next. Romans chapter 16, 17 through 19. I appeal to you, brothers, watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Contrary to what? Contrary to the teaching, the doctrine. doesn't matter if you had a vision or a sign. It's teaching. It's teaching, doctrine, the preaching of the word. It's the gospel. These are the things that are the bedrock and the foundation. Avoid them, it says. Now, who, who's supposed to do the avoiding? Everybody. He's, he's writing to the brothers. So, anyone that we see causing division, we should avoid. Verse 8, I don't care who it is. Verse 18, For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, remember we talked about that already, smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. For your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you. But I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. See, it's through their obedience. Obedience to what? To the preaching and teaching of the Word of God. That's where it's at. If we want to be safe, we need to obey the Word. Test things through the Word. 2 Timothy 3, 6, and 7, For among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. So we need to be careful. We need to be careful because there are those who are trying to uh, creep in. They're trying to uh, draw people into them, right? The, the sensual, ooh, the, the sensational. And we need to just be careful of that. Does that stuff happen? Absolutely. Are there amazing experiences in God that we can have? Yes. Should we be chasing those things? No. Do those indicate some kind of a sign that, oh, this person is definitely on? No, it does not. It does not. Is that person in obedience and submission to Jesus Christ, his word, those who he's put into authority? That, that needs to tell us something. Uh, and so, again, right, we can avoid those who are causing division, obey God's word, test all things, right? 
these are the things that we can do um, to protect ourselves, protect our community of believers, protect our homes. And, you know, it'd be great if we could just turn our brains off on Sunday and just, just turn our brain off and just be there, just soak it all in. But remember, there are those who are right there in the assembly and are not really part of God's kingdom. People who come in, who for one reason or another, maybe they're deceived and they think it's true and they're sincere, but they're sincerely wrong, or maybe they are a true wolf in sheep's clothing, doesn't matter. Either way, the result is the same. They can lead people astray. And so we need to not despise prophecy. We need to cling to Jesus Christ, test all things through his word, and understand that if we will, okay, obey scripture, avoid division, test everything, we will be in a much better position to have that free flow of the Spirit, so we don't have to quench the Spirit. And we're not going to despise prophecies. Rather, we're going to test everything and what? Hold to what is good. So, drop it right there. Leave it on that note. Love you guys. Hope this has helped you. And uh, we will see you on the next podcast.